Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hey everyone, this is Matt Frazier with Doug Hay as usual for episode 45 of Nomad Athlete Radio. This is our Thanksgiving week episode. We are probably going to have another one this week, but this is our official Thanksgiving episode. So we are going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving before we get to our interview with chef and author Terry Walters about her new book. Anyway, Doug, how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited for Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. Yeah? Yeah. It's always been one of my least favorite. I always thought it was boring when I was a kid. Oh yeah, no presents. No, no, no. I think I like that. I think I, I like that it's more casual than Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. it's really just one day. It didn't fill the stores for months, and right. You know, I don't know. Good family time. It is that. I'm coming to appreciate that part of it more, especially now that I don't live near family anymore. So yeah, yeah. Good. All right. So um, on that note, let's let's just talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Uh, what we've got is kind of the stuff we're doing, making, and just little tips and things like that that we've kind of picked up because it is it is a hard holiday it's one that is often raised as sort of an objection or somewhere some where people need help when they're new at this like how do you do i remember when i first did it like thinking about how would i possibly do thanksgiving and that was a big deterrent it was like okay so this this decision is going to ruin all these holidays for me that's <laughs> sort of what i thought sure sure so we'll get into a little bit of that stuff and uh, and then we'll then we'll get to the interview. So first of all, what's what's going on for Thanksgiving? What are you doing? Sticking around here? I am. I'm sticking around here. I have some family coming to town. My dad and stepmom and um, my grandmother's coming over, and there'll actually be twelve of us for Thanksgiving dinner, which will be a big group. It'll be a lot of fun. That is me and uh, four of my cousins and Katie, who hasn't run a race since high school cross country, are all running the Asheville <laughs> Turkey Trot. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, which will be fun. And when I win and I get the turkey, I will, <laughs> you know, do something to protest it. <laughs> I don't know what, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're not going to win. Um, but that'll, that'll be a lot of fun to kind of do that together. But yeah, just sticking around here. How about you? Uh, I'm sticking around here too. I didn't even know about the turkey drop, believe it or not. You should do it. I wonder you should if I come can out with this. Join Team Hay. It's what, that's on Thanksgiving? Uh yeah, it's on Thanksgiving. I actually haven't registered yet. It, I don't think it closes up, so you you okay. can you can get in. Maybe I will. That would be a lot of fun. We'll see. Okay, cool. Um, what I'm doing is my dad is coming, which is the same thing I think that we did last year. He came. We're going the night before to Plant, which is a restaurant here, as you know, but not mm-hmm. everyone listening does. Uh, which is a fantastic vegan restaurant. They do a Thanksgiving thing every year. Oh. Uh, on the Wednesday night right before Thanksgiving, so that'll be good. We we got that, and it's always packed and filled and sold out and all that so that's fun uh so we'll do that for like our fancy vegan thanksgiving my dad will come along reluctantly <laughs> i mean not, he's been to plant he likes it but uh he's sort of a paleo ish eater uh and then i think during the day we'll probably just like not do a big crazy thing like when I mean, that that night before will be our indulgent eating but we'll make a few different appetizery things and kind of eat them throughout the day uh i mean we'll still sit down at the table at, for a thanksgiving dinner but it won't be anything crazy maybe you know four or five <clears throat> little dishes no, no turkey. No turkey for me. I my dad last year brought a turkey with him. He, oh, he yeah. like made he made it in his set it and forget it machine or whatever, uh-huh. and uh, brought it down. I mean, we're okay with that. We we're not the types that would say don't bring meat into our household, right? Uh, so I know that some vegans are, and I I get that. Like it, it is sort of weird when people do bring meat in, especially if they put it in our refrigerator and like store it there. Usually when he comes, he brings a motorhome, so he keeps his stuff there, mm. uh, which is slightly less weird, but. <laughs> Anyway, so I, I don't know for a fact that he's doing that, but probably. But anyway, um, yeah. but no turkey for us, of course. Yeah, we will have a turkey. And, um, you know, obviously my wife and I will not be eating it, but right. the rest of the family will. And <clears throat> since we're staying in a family house and they're all coming out there, it's kind of <laughs> don't really have much of a choice. But. Right, right. You know, I think like the first or second year that we were vegetarian, we we actually still made a turkey for people who came. Yeah. Which was just weird. I mean, looking back at it now, we I don't think we would do that. Like we're we're cool with people doing what they want, mm-hmm. bringing something. But like, I'm not going to make a turkey for someone. Uh, it just seems I don't want, I don't want to cook a turkey. I don't want to buy a turkey or cook it. You know, right? Um, right. So it's funny that I don't know. Just, I guess we've evolved in that way. Just I don't know. Once you, I guess once you go vegan, it's sort of different. I feel like I just look at things differently. Yeah. Um, which is partly why vegan probably has the has the reputation that it does for some people that 
I don't know, but yeah, yeah, we uh, we're you know, I I'm not gonna handle the turkey at all or or <laughs> do any of the basting or anything like that. But there will be one cooking, eh, cooking in in our oven. But um, you know, that's what happens. It is. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, I mean, I think I, I as much like some people listening to this might just be outraged, but to me that is that's. I mean, the reason that we've been successful in spreading this message, I think, is the attitude of sort of like, yeah, you do what you want, I'm going to do this, and, you know, try to be a good example, and, and that's it. Like, that to me, that's that's my way of spreading the message. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't encourage people to come eat turkey at my house, but, like, I don't know. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's kind of my approach to any big holiday meal is to... You know, it, obviously, if we're hosting and, and we can set the menu, then then that's one thing. But if we're going to someone else's house, or if it's a big family affair that um, where you know a certain menu is expected, I, I have to just kind of let that go and and come to expect that not everything is going to be vegan, and not necessarily all the side dishes are even going to be vegan, or the pies or anything like that. And I'll make um, you know I'll design a menu. My wife and I will design a menu that we know will work for us. Um, We'll have so we're doing lentil loaf this year as kind of our main course instead of turkey, uh, which is something we did last year. It was a Oshi Glows mm-hmm. recipe and very delicious. So that will kind of be the substitute for the protein or the meat or whatever. Um, and then you know some of the sides, although not all of them, some of the sides will be we'll, we'll make sure are vegan and we're gonna have a vegan pie and all this stuff. So you know there'll be plenty of options for us. Half of the table might not be something we can eat but we know that we'll have a full plate and you know it'll be a delicious meal mm-hmm. you'll be in trouble if people go for the vegan pie though you know, people, <laughs> i've done that before people like eat yeah. the whole vegan option up and then because they don't realize that's your only choice yeah well i'll make it clear <laughs> <laughs> put a big, v in it put a big yeah yeah if you just start spreading the word that it's vegan then people tend to ex- <laughs> yeah, stay away from right. it even though <laughs> even though it's probably the best one vegan desserts are good i they really are like mm-hmm. i mean i I don't know. One, I always do say that, like, when I went vegetarian, I kind of some of my passion for cooking was lost. And a lot of people have the exact opposite story. Like, they they learned to cook and started to love cooking after they went vegetarian or vegan. Right. Once I went vegetarian, I kind of lost interest in cooking, like, for entertainment purposes. Like, I just do it now, and it's it's a I like it, but I don't. I'm not like really into cooking anymore, like I used to be. Um, but and that, you know I, I don't think vegan food is much worse than regular food in many ways it's better but in some ways it's not it just it just depends but desserts are one thing that where i'm always surprised at how good vegan desserts are they're mm. just cupcakes cakes i mean i don't eat much of that stuff but but it i'm always amazed how good vegan versions are we get uh these chocolate chip cookies from earth fair which is a local grocer here mm-hmm. that were vegan yesterday or a couple days ago and they were so good <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> the best chocolate chip cookies i think i'd ever had yeah i don't i don't know what it is but vegan desserts are delicious um, yeah, so I mean, we're we're doing similar, and I mean, in our, of course, with my dad, it's going to be if he brings turkey. I don't know, but I, I think everything else that we'll have is will be totally vegan, just because that's, that's what everybody's eating. Um, but in the past, we've had to do things where we are going to someone else's house, and this right. is a very common thing where you're not the host, and what do you do then? My my view on this whole thing, I, I've never really tried to. In fact, I've tried very hard not to make a scene about being vegan or being vegetarian and just like so i'm not going to call the host and say hey i'm vegan so i need to make sure there's this and this and this right i mean generally if someone's invited me to thanksgiving they know how i eat so Mm -hmm. they are nice enough that i don't really have to think about that and worry about that but i just make sure that we bring enough stuff that that we can so like if, if someone's bringing green beans that's fine and the host will usually confirm for me that they are going to be vegan but other than that we just we just kind of like and, and in all situations, just don't expect anything and bring what you need to. Like, that's, right. that's really what we do. So we'll end up making three or four dishes. And if nothing else happens to be vegan, we still get three or four dishes. And that, that's still a nice meal by a lot of people's standards. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. We have, we, or I take a similar approach that if, if, especially if it's family, then I'll just kind of be upfront a little bit about it, not demand anything, but, you know, say, this is, you know, how I eat and, and a lot of people don't really understand that or understand what that means. So you kind of have to explain it a little bit and then, but then just volunteer to bring your own stuff and no one, you know, no one will object to you bringing a few dishes of your own, of yourself. And then, and then you have a few options that are guaranteed to be vegan. Yeah. And I mean, and even if you didn't do that and you just went, showed up a place and there's, let's say there's a salad and some bread and one vegetable that you can eat, like that's still a good meal. And I think it's sort of in the spirit of Thanksgiving to be 
satisfied that you have food to eat. You know, I mean? like <laughs> you could stuff yourself with salad and bread and something else, and like be really thankful that you have that to yeah, in your stomach. You know, like, that's that's a good point. So I don't know. I, I I just think people kind of overblow a lot of that stuff, and it's not the big deal. It should be. I, I do recognize that like some families are different. If someone is you know seen by the family not eating turkey, they're going to be ridiculed. And like, thankfully, I've never had to deal with situations like that. Uh, and I don't know how I would, but, um, you know, so I recognize that stuff happens and I don't have an answer for that, but I think you could probably in the same spirit, come up with a solution to that and how to handle that situation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, one more tip is that we, uh, the first few years that we did this before we even knew about like Satan dishes and things that were kind of meat substitutes, which I don't really do very much, but like on, on Thanksgiving, I get why you might want to have something that's kind of like a Turkey substitute. The tofurkey. Yeah. Something like that, which I don't think I've ever had. But, um, you know, I, like just combining side dishes works really well. You can yeah. just, just look in a fine cooking magazine and just change the butter into olive oil, skip the Parmesan cheese on top of anything. And you can end up making all these fancy side dishes that you wouldn't otherwise make. And that ends up being a pretty good meal. So that's, that's kind of what we've done is just make a lot of side dishes and has always worked out pretty well. Yeah. Uh, two other things, two just ideas, things that we are actually kind of doing is uh, we're not so the, there's there's a happy cow uh, website that everyone knows but they put out a book that is like I think it's for those who don't know it's happycow.net it's a site where if you're traveling you, you go to happycow.net put in the city and they'll give you all the vegan friendly restaurants all the vegetarian restaurants and they'll label all of them which are which and it's a good way to find stuff for sure um, but they put out a book I guess it was over the summer maybe of 50 I think it's 50 could be more than that restaurants around the country and the world that are some of the best vegan restaurants known for whatever certain dish or just for whatever reason and then each of those chefs contributed between like one and three recipes to the book Mm. in addition to a little interview thing Uh, and i've been leafing through i haven't cooked anything out of it yet. i've had it for months but just started leafing through it for thanksgiving thinking it'd be cool to like make some of this fancy stuff because it's it's fancier stuff than i would usually cook it's just stuff that takes time right uh maybe not as healthy as i would always want to eat because there's a lot of like the seitan dishes and stuff that's fancy restaurant food but not exactly health food uh but we found several good like mashed potatoes and gravy recipes in there cool and some other stuff too but i was looking through it like it it inspired me to think about rethink that thing i said about not enjoying cooking that much anymore Mm. i was looking through that and i was thinking if i just went through this book and made half of these recipes it would be, I don't know, there's tons of cooking stuff in there, so it'd be fun. So I haven't really written about that book or said anything about it before, but I would recommend you check it out if that sort of thing interests you. And the other thing, and this is kind of a last-minute thing, but you could still do it if you wanted. Uh, I mentioned on the site that I went to this event with Seth Godin in his office in July. Uh, There was another guy there, his name's Andy, and he started a company called The Purple Carrot, which is a meal delivery service. So it's kind of like, I think it's called Blue Apron, that delivers meals but theirs is all plant-based food and uh, we actually ordered it and and it was pretty good it worked out very well so it's nice you get all the stuff sent to you everything's already portioned out so like you're cooking you have to put together some sort of marinade or whatever and all the stuff is there so while that step with other recipes generally takes a while you get out all the spices you get all the different liquids and measure it's just this the one thing i noticed about it was that it was so fast just to dump that stuff into the thing and not have to measure and all that Cool. Um, but anyway, the reason I'm bringing it up is because Angela Lydon from Oshi Glows is doing a Thanksgiving menu for them, or, or did one, and it's on their site right now, thepurplecarrot.com. And uh, if you go there, like you'll see it's like a four-course thing, and you can just order this. You'll get the recipes and all the ingredients sent to you. I think you have to order by Sunday at some time in the afternoon. I don't know the exact deadline. But anyway, if you're not into cooking, but you want a good vegan meal, and you kind of want, like, you, know, you can still assemble a meal, even though without doing meal planning... Um, that might be a good option. I don't know. I haven't tried these specific dishes, so I don't know. And I'm not paid to say this, but I met the guy. Nice guy. Nice company. <laughs> cool. And, uh, so I would check that out. Very nice. So I'm, I'm curious um, that you're going to plant on, on Wednesday night, you said. Yes. Do, do they have a Thanksgiving-themed dinner, or is it just kind of a nice dinner? Yeah. For no, it's like, a, it's like a prefix menu, uh-huh. and it's Thanksgiving thing. I think last time was some sort of crusted seitan dish or something. But it's, you know, a lot of fall flavors cool yeah it's fun and dessert and all that stuff so it's it's a good time and it's sold out you think i don't know if it is yet in the past few years it has like once we sat in like the corner of it they like made us an extra table in the corner <laughs> because it was it was sold out then but i don't know you're still, you're still yeah, what, that's pretty cool have an advance I'll yeah have to look into give that. them a call plant by the way is featured in the happy cow book they're uh 
wi- forest something wild forest. I don't know. They have a di- you might weren't you there recently? Yeah, yeah. It's like a crusted mushroom uh-huh. dish. Yep, that's in the uh, Happy Cow book, and it's good. Yeah, I forget what it's called. It is good. Wild forest something. I don't know. Chicken or something. Chicken. <laughs> chicken. <laughs> no, it's a, it's an animal. It's a... <laughs> no. Oh yeah, because there's chicken mushroom. There's a mushroom called chicken of the wood. Right. Yeah. Chicken of the wood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not actual chicken. <laughs> Um, uh, and and the and the chef has a recipe in your book. Yeah, three actually. Three recipes yeah. in your book. One of which Brussels sprouts would be good for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So go buy the Nomiathi book if you haven't yet. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I guess last question here about Thanksgiving, which we've talked about before in years past. Um, what are you drinking this year? What's going to be the 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 adult beverage of choice at your adult beverage of choice? We, I got, we got a couple things saved up for this year. Uh, it should be good. Good adult beverages. Um, we Katie, Katie and I went to uh, Italy this summer, uh, and so we brought back some bottles of wine and saved a few for for the holidays. So we have a bottle of Brunello and a bottle of Chianti Classico that we've been saved up from different vineyards we went to in in Tuscany. And then um, the, for beer, we just recently went to the Highland Brewing Company's uh, launch of their seasonal Cold Mountain, which is a winter ale. Mm-hmm. And pretty tasty. It's really popular around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and got a couple bottles of that saved up. So there you go. There we that go. That was my Thanksgiving drink last year. Oh, uh, was it? Yep. I got a few bottles and got so that's a, that's a local brewery and they release this beer now just at winter. It, people go crazy for it, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think uh, <laughs> I went to yesterday. I went to buy a twelve pack. So at the brewery, you can only buy the the bombers, the right. pint. Or I don't know, twenty two ounces. Yeah. yeah. Um and I went to the grocery store yesterday because that's when it was released in the grocery store I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon, and they said that they sold out of all their twelve packs within forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, people go nuts over it. So Brunello and Chiati Classico are, are two of my favorite wines in the world. So I am jealous that you'll be having those. Uh we I think we'll probably have I think like Pinot Noir is one that is sort of a traditional Thanksgiving wine. I'm not a huge Pinot Noir fan at all. And I think Beaujolais Nouveau is also a Thanksgiving classic wine. Yeah. Probably we'll have beer. We might have red wine. I don't know. But um, some sort of beer. I haven't figured quite out which one yet. There was – maybe you tried it. The the pumpkin chub from Oscar Blues. Oh, no. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for people listening, that's a, that's a company that also is kind of a – they're in Brevard, North Carolina. From Colorado, they, moved, they opened up at East Coast Brewery. And they make an old chub, and then they make an old chub nitro, and now there's a pumpkin old chub. But I don't know. I'm kind of over pumpkin beers. I think I'm, I think I've had my fill of those. Yeah, I, you know, I, there's like a week every year where I yeah. enjoy a few com- pumpkin beers, and then that's it. I don't know. Right. I feel like it might go with Thanksgiving though. I don't know. Yeah. So undecided what what we're drinking, but definitely water. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of water. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are about ready to get to Terry's interview. Uh, a couple things really quick. She's here to promote her book, Eat Clean, Live Well. Great book, as all of her stuff is. And she's been nice enough to give away a copy of it. So just like last time, like we've done with the Ultra Running Shoes and Sid Garza Hillman's book, if you go to nomadathlete.com slash eat dash clean, just leave a comment on that page. Something nice, please, not something mean. And uh, then you'll be entered to win the giveaway. We'll do a random draw, and we'll announce it in a future podcast episode. Uh, if you want to get double entry, if you want to have two entries in there, go and please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you do that and let us know in your comment on the Nomad Athlete site, then we'll enter you twice. Is Sounds that, is that awesome. clear enough, Doug? Yeah. Okay. I and won't... even if you're not interested in the contest, we do really appreciate those iTunes reviews. They really do help. We don't ask about them all the time. I try to stay away from saying that, but they really do help us. So if you like the show, please do that. Uh, one more little bonus that we're going to be doing here is there's a recipe on that same page, nomadathlete.com slash eat dash clean. It's a recipe for stuffed butternut squash with tempeh and some pomegranate seeds sprinkled on there. So could be another Thanksgiving thing if you're hurting for ideas. It's from her new book, and really all her stuff is very good, very whole food, and just delicious. So that one struck me as particularly fall-ish. So that recipe will be there, and uh, you can you can go on there and make yourself a little Thanksgiving thing and amaze your friends. All right. So let's get to the interview. There are a few little audio issues in it. For some reason, I think she had recently switched internet services or something, and there was something. So towards the end of the call, uh, she sounds a little bit robotic in places, but uh, you'll just have to forgive that. All right, so let's get to it, and hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. 
Hey everyone, it's Matt here with chef and author Terry Walters, who has a brand new book out called Eat Clean, Live Well. Terry, how are you doing? I'm great, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing well too. It's been been a long time since we connected. In fact, I don't even know if, I guess we talked on the phone once or twice for an old interview when I, back in the old days when I would listen to you talk and then type it into the computer and, and post that before <laughs> we were technologically advanced. How antique. <laughs> I know, it, it was. <clears throat> anyway, um... Yeah, so I'm super excited to hear that you have a new book out. Just came out two days ago, called "Eat Clean, Live Well." Uh, I don't know that people will remember that much because not everyone has read the old No Meat Athlete post. But uh, your your first one, "Clean Food," and that was actually your first book, right? It was okay. That that's like one of my favorite cookbooks of all time. It was one that I used immediately after I went vegetarian within those first few months, and uh, really got me started eating vegan without even really realizing that's what I was doing. I was just kind of searching for for good food and it looked like, you know, farmers market type food that was and that was part of the big appeal of this new thing to me. It was like, you know, it was a whole different way of eating than I was used to and it was wonderful. So, I love when you when you put out new stuff. And uh, after that came Clean Start and now comes Eat Clean, Live Well. Is that right? I'm not missing any there, am I? No, that was impressive. Thank okay, you. Okay, good. And I know <laughs> you even like reissued Clean Food at one point, right? Yeah, we don't need to get into all the reiteration. No, okay. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the first thing I am wondering is, because is, I don't even know the answer to how how the first two fit together. Because I don't think we really talked after the first one did. Actually, we did talk last year when I was on the book tour. You actually offered to host me in your home, which was very nice. And it didn't end up working out, but uh, I would have loved to. And, and eat some of your I could. Food. You could have counted on a good meal, you know. I, I, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure of that, which is why I'm sorry that it didn't happen. But anyway, um, I just wonder, like, like what, where do the three books fit together? Because to me, they all seem like you're cooking. You know, very similar layouts, um, a lot of the similar ingredients, and all divided into seasons, which I think is one of your one of your you know trademark things. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, what what is that progression to you? Like, what what does each book represent different from the other ones? Well, I actually never set out to write cookbooks. So, Clean Food was the first book, and I was teaching classes and I was doing some health coaching and people were asking me to publish my recipes. And so I that was a collection of everything I had learned for probably two decades. I mean it was it was really represented more in my journey than it did um, any effort to sit down and write a book. And uh, I actually self-published it first. And so um, it was, you know, the recipes I had learned, the cooking techniques I had learned, and these foods that I kind of thought of as being super nutritional and how to maintain that that balance, especially with changing seasons. Um, And um, so when that book came out and was, you know, I self-published it and it got picked up by the publisher. And then when it came out, it was really um, instantly successful. But to be honest... The night before it launched, I said to my mom, do you think they read that book? Like, do you really think the publisher knows that there's kombu and um, umi plum vinegar and all these crazy things in it? And uh, sure enough, it didn't seem to make a difference. Although I can, you know, I had plenty of emails in my inbox like, what is this stuff? <laughs> sure. Um, but, you know, it, it also came with a whole lot of education about what they're, what those ingredients were. So when my publisher asked me to write a second book, um, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought, write a book? Like, I put this book together, but I don't know about write a book. But I knew immediately that I wanted to make something that was much more entry level, like go back and write the first book. Isn't that how they did it in Star Wars? They went back and then wrote the Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, so Clean Start's the prequel to, okay. It was exactly. why, why it's Clean Start? Okay. I see, like episode one. Got so it. that's exactly what I did. And um, and I took out a lot of the unusual ingredients and made it like real quick, easy, um, and, and gluten-free. Because at that point, I was learning more about how our grain, especially wheat, was being grown and processed or not. And um, so I really wanted to make it accessible to everybody. And then with this book, um, I had a, a number of intentions. Um, you know, I never repeat recipes, so there's there's always the creation of new recipes, and this book has you know over 175 recipes in it, so it's packed. Um, and my cooking has changed and kind of grown in some new and different ways using some um, you know great new techniques. There's some sprouting and there's fermentation in here and um, dehydrating. Lots of great ways to preserve the harvest and the nutritional value of our food. Um, 
and uh, make it more sustainable and make our health more sustainable. So that's all I wanted to include all of that. Um, but I also I, I don't know any other way of explaining this other than I just I wanted to make it a wider lens. I wanted to show people that it's just not only what you put in your body, but it's where you get it. And there's nourishment in everything around the food, you know, how we share it, um, how it changes from season to season. And, um, you know, in some, and, and that's all a whole lifestyle component that's added to this book that's not in the previous book. So in spring, there's information about cleansing and you know your body and your environment your clean cleaning products for your home and in the fall you know what nature gives us all immune boosting anti-inflammatory foods and there's a bit on that as well and um in the winter you know going within and slowing down and meditation and so all of those tips go straight through the seasons and then now i've you know having published a book about seven years ago i have i get a lot of email so it's really important to me to answer people's questions because I'm sure you get the same thing. Oh, I never get email. <laughs> and so, you know, some of the questions were like, well, what do you eat for breakfast? So now there's a whole section on breakfast in this book. And, um, you know, how do I make it work for my kids? And uh, so there's a whole section on making clean work for your kids. And so, um, you know, much of it was a response to my readers as well. And, and now it's out. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, Terry and I are doing this with video, by the way. So, so those of you who are listening on the podcast can't actually see what we're doing, unless we decide to publish the video, which I doubt we'll do, since neither of us was really prepared to to uh, be on video. But anyway, um, okay, so that's good. Yeah, and I definitely noticed that. That was one of the obvious things was that this one had, and maybe maybe clean food had it as well, just in the beginning. But this one seemed to have a lot more information, like th- that wasn't recipes in mm-hmm. each season. There was more stuff to do, like you said about how do you, how do you get ki- kids to eat well. Uh, which is a great little section. I was nodding right along with that because I have a four-year-old and one-year-old. And uh, I actually want to talk about some of that stuff in a minute. But so here's a question. I was going to ask you about Mario Batali because he he wrote he said this great quote. Um, but if, if that first book was self-published, how in the world did you get him to say clean food is the most exciting book based on fresh produce and simple recipes I have used in years? I mean, that's a pretty big endorsement. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah, it was yeah. really unbelievable. Um you know, I, I actually, Mario Patali quoted, uh, gave a comment for that book, Alice Waters, Charlie Trotter, like, I mean, my heroes in <laughs> <Right>. the world. <laughs> it sure. was really something. But because it was self-published when it got picked up by a publisher, you know, I wasn't submitting a proposal. I was submitting an entire book. And it was a beautiful book that we self-published. And so... Um, as a result, and when the publisher picked it up, there was that time of making it from what I had it to, it was almost identically identical, but turning it into um, a hardcover book. Mine was an O-bound book. And so in that time, we were able to send these people the real book. And mm. the truth of the matter is, I mean, I can tell you, honestly, I stalked Alice Waters. Like <laughs> She came to my hometown, and she was walking with the kids, and I was following them everywhere. And finally... Someone said, you know, that's her sister over there. And I went over to her sister and her sister sent me over to her assistant. And I, you know, begged and pleaded and I left him the book. And two weeks later, I called. And two weeks after that, I called. And lo and behold, she wrote a beautiful quote. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, um, there's a bit of luck. And, sure. uh and cool. uh, and I and I had it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, Mar- to me, I, I like Mario Batali. I like his stuff. His cookbooks. I've always found really great and fun to, and, and not that hard to. And real. To, what's that? And real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He, I, I think he's Don't great. And, and they're not that hard. And many of them are are, if not already vegan, they're they're really easy to make vegan. Like just replace the butter with olive oil and omit the cheese, and and you can do it. Uh, but he he just strikes me as someone who would be such a food purist that. You know, he would be offended that somebody would write a vegan cookbook and not not include all these you know ingredients that to him are just part of food. So I don't know that that one was really surprising to me, but I think I think though, Matt, like the way that you look at him as being a real purist, and um, you know his books are really easy to make vegan. He probably looks at this the same way, like oh well, this is what I cook, right? right? Oh oh is oh is there no meat in there? Oh, there's no dairy. I hadn't <laughs> noticed, you know, because right. it's, it's what nature's giving us. So sure. And he's definitely big on, you know, the quality of your ingredients is the quality of your of your finished dishes, and so I I think that's there'd be a connection there with with that being, 
you know, what you're so much about. So, mm-hmm. um, cool. That's awesome. All right. So how about kids? How old are your kids? Or do you, you have one or two or three? I have two. Okay. Two girls. They're 14 and 17. Okay. So you've, you've been through most of the phases then of different eating habits. Um, uh, you know, I, I've been through a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. Um, so, I mean, I, I, the kids section you have is good. And I, I think a lot of it is exactly what I do. But let's talk about that for just a little bit. Like what, especially when they're younger and not really kind of, you know, turned off by a lot of foods and not interested in, in eating, you know, anything but chicken fingers. Like what, what are the tricks that someone can use if, if someone just doesn't know where to begin? I mean, where do you start with getting kids to eat healthy? Well, I think one of the things I learned really early on was that my job wasn't get, to get my kids to eat healthy. My job was to teach my kids how to eat healthy and that if I wasn't eating healthy, they weren't going to eat healthy. So it's like, you know, put the mask on yourself before you, you know, help mm-hmm. your child. Like you have to be in that place of strength. And, um, and that was kind of always my approach. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I ate clean and I did the best I could and I talked about my choices all the time and because, you know, I didn't want them, I just wanted them to know how I was feeling. When it was good, I wanted them to know how I was feeling. When I wasn't feeling good and how I was using food to help me and the healing power and if I wasn't feeling good, kind of, you know, what I think I ate that made me feel this way. And so they would start to see that connection in me. Um, but Matt, like, I served kale and collard greens for almost two years before my kids were like, okay, we'll eat the darn <laughs> kale and collard greens. Right. And, um, and that was cool because you know what? I like, I never, that was dinner. And it was important to me that they knew that dinner, what dinner looked like or breakfast or lunch. And if they didn't like what I served, I mean, I always made sure there was at least something they liked, but I never went and said, okay, you know, you don't want that. I'll go make you something white. And right. yep. nutritionally void. I never did that. I was like, you don't like dinner, you know, try this. And if you don't like it, you know, I'll, there'll be breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> right. So yep. it was kind of like ferberizing over food, I think, you know, and, uh, um, and you didn't include that one in, in your, in this article, which is, which is funny again, cause we do that exact same thing. Like we just d- didn't want to start having negotiations about what there was going to be and giving into things like that. Um, I did negotiate. I mean, I didn't negotiate, but I gave them a lot of power. Um, and so, you know, when I wasn't serving kale or collards, I would say to them many days a week, you know, this is what I'm making for dinner. We've got to have our greens. What do you want? That's green. And sometimes they choose broccoli and sometimes they choose frozen peas. And like, if I gave them that power, then that's what we had, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever they chose. And that's cool. I just wanted them to know that they need to eat something green and that's the most important color. Um, and, uh, it's funny because when I went on my first book tour, I have one daughter who loves to cook and like her mom doesn't like to use any recipes and just create it. Uh-huh. And I have another daughter who thinks that if she cooks, she's going to burn down the house, <laughs> which is not true, but she feels that way. And she's like, well, who's going to make me my collard greens? And I thought to myself, are you kidding? I'm like, how did we get to this place where I'm going to go away and you're going to be so upset that you can't have your collard greens? Right. So that's one of the few things she can make. And, uh, and I think to myself, you know, most kids don't go to college knowing that in their back pocket they can make like a really good sautéed kale and collard green mix. Like that's not their default. <laughs> and I right. thought, my work here is pretty much done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even if she couldn't make it, the fact that that you have your your teenager wanting collard greens instead of you know whatever else that's that's a success in my book. So yeah, um, and I think it's pretty cool that like I'll never forget the year that we grew. Uh, we have a garden, and um, so one year one of my my daughters wanted to grow arugula, and I was so like, I love arugula. And so we had a whole bed full of arugula and we pick the arugula and we bring it in. I make this big, beautiful and, and watermelon radish is really beautiful. And she takes one bite and she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you hated it. And I'm like, what's wrong? Oh, I don't like this at all. And I'm like, oh, and I, you know, more for me. Okay. Well, <laughs> right. and, uh, but the very next thing out of her mouth was next year, I'm going to plant green beans. And so I thought, okay, so that's good. Like, it's not an all or nothing thing. It's, it, she understands where it comes from and there's, you know, she kind of owned it and it was hers and okay, well that didn't work, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to like something else. Yep. And so, right. you know, the more you involve the kids, 
whether you're shopping, cooking, cleaning up, um, the more power you give them, you know, instead of putting it on their plate, serve it family style and let them take their own. Like these are all things that make a really big difference and give them the control because they don't, nobody likes to be controlled, especially around our food, our food. Yeah. I love the family style tip too. That's one we have never tried. And I think, I think it, it makes total sense that you would just kind of let them be the one who chooses that they're going to eat it and put it on their plate rather than look at a big pile of it. Um, but yeah, guard. With eating clean, sorry. Go ahead. With eating clean, I think the biggest challenge is just listening to your body and not listening to, you know, the trend du jour or, you know, the diet your neighbor's on or anything else. And honestly, I think our kids come into this world for the most part listening to their bodies and we teach it out of them. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. All our that. judgments about food. And so, um, so you know, I'm... I'm always pleasantly surprised when I kind of let go of that and, and let them do it themselves. Right. Good. Yeah. I, I think the the approach is great. Um, make it, I mean, you said make it fun, of course, involve them in the cooking, the gardening too. We did the exact same thing. Our four-year-old loves to garden and like, you know, he wouldn't eat green beans, but then when, when they came out of our garden and he knew that he was part of that and planted that seed, you know, it's like, it's not gross anymore. It's something that it just makes total sense why you would want to eat that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great, and I think I think that little section is is very nice. Um, okay, so so in the last few minutes here, uh, there's I, I want to talk to you about food. And, you mentioned some of your ingredients that, that a lot of them are are out there for someone who's sort of unfamiliar, and I do want to go through a few of them and just and just talk about why they're in there and what they do. Uh, before that, though, running, I want to talk about because you you are a runner or you used to be a runner or which one? I'm a runner. You are still a runner. Okay, great. <laughs> I I last time I talked to you, I think you had done. Was it the New York City Marathon? I've done that one a couple of times, yep. Okay, maybe that's it. So, and how about recently? Have you run anything recently? Well, after that, I took a year and a half off because my um, knee would not... I mean, my knee actually was really fine when I was running, but it really wasn't fine any other time. <laughs> right. So I did some physical therapy, and um, and now I'm back, you know, 6.05. I'm out there every single morning. Wow. Or, well, almost every single morning. Oh, um, you. But, you know, that's my therapy. I mean, whether I'm working on... a you know, a race and a goal or not. Um, you know, I have two women that I run with and they're at the end of my driveway at six o'clock every morning. And it is the greatest way ever to start the day. And especially living in the Northeast, like I just have this, like not only a sense of accomplishment that I've like, I've beaten the, what nature can throw at me, but like I'm part of it. I'm not an observer looking out the window saying, Oh, it's raining or it's 10 below or it's 80 degrees. I'm like, I'm part of it. And that's part of like being in balance with the environment too. And, and that makes me feel like there's, you know, I look forward to each season. It doesn't get the best of me. I, I get the best of it. Cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I, I I do, I run with a lot of people, but we just came back from doing um, that reach the beach. Have you ever done any of those relays? No, I haven't, but I've heard about them. I've I've done Ragnar's and some other mountain ones. Yeah, they're really, they're so silly. And they're really fun. <laughs> and that's kind of like, you know, if you're not really seriously training, it's really fun to go, especially as an adult when you have kids. It's fun to just get away and go run with your friends and right. hang out in a van. Sure. But. <laughs> yeah. I know. They sound, like, they're fun looking back. I was, I don't know. I've done, I've done two of them, both of them on ultra teams where it's only six people to do the 200 miles. And it's like, they're fun to look back on and say, yeah, that was a good time. But I, I don't know. When I've actually been there, it's pretty miserable. But it's, I mean, you know, it's just like, Maybe. You gotta let go of that. <laughs> What's the point of doing it if you're gonna be miserable? I don't. It's fu- it's it's fun and it's I don't know. It's miserable in a fun way. It's like it's like so awful that it's kind of fun. At least that's how I felt. Didn't you do one on your? I thought you did one on your book yeah, tour. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. Maybe that's my problem is that I I do them amidst other things. Yeah, I did it like a week into the book tour. I stopped and did that uh, in DC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, and how about how about food with running? Do you do you change much about your diet when you are training heavily, or or I mean, you know, even just right around the workouts? Do you do anything different? Um, I do, and uh, you know, it depends on the time of year. Like winter for me is a really good time to train because those foods really agree with my body. And in the summer, like tomatoes and some of the other fruits don't. Uh, the acid doesn't agree with me once I get into more endurance. Um, and so that's a little bit difficult. Um, but, um, and you know, when I'm really training hard, I just, 
I'm a protein monger <laughs> yeah. and I eat all day long. Like, and so sometimes, you know, because I fluctuate in and out of training or not training, you know, the habit is set that I eat a tremendous amount of food. Um, you know, I get up, I eat something before I run, I come home, I eat something after I run. And then like an hour later I have breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And for most people, you know, I've probably had more, pe- more food before 10 o'clock than most people eat in a day. Um, <laughs> but then I feel really good, you know, then I'm, I'm okay. So, um, yeah. And, um, it depends, you know, depends on the season. Um, I eat a, a lot of roasted vegetables in the winter and I eat a lot of legumes in the winter, whereas in the summer, I don't know, not as many legumes, but I sprout a lot of grains and get my protein from things like sprouted quinoa and things like that. Um, so it's depends on the season, changes, and, and you know, I'm not getting any younger, so my body changes too, <laughs> heaven forbid. <laughs> right. All right, cool. So last thing, um, ingredient lightning round. I just want to, I'm going to ask you about ingredients and you can give me some quick answers. We don't, you don't have to expand too much, but, uh, but just... For people who who have never heard of this stuff, maybe it'll introduce them to it. Or for those who have seen it in your books or elsewhere, uh, give them a, an understanding of why it's in there. And me too, because I don't know why some of it's in here. So uh, first of all, oil. I noticed you used to use grapeseed oil in most of your stuff, and now it's it seems like it's olive oil or coconut oil. What's what's up? What's the deal there? Okay, so before you go any further, I just want to say that every ingredient in this book and in all my books can be gotten at a health food store, a whole food store, or um, for me, I mean, I go to Stop and Shop. I can get almost everything in my books from Stop and Shop. So I don't want your listeners to think that I'm like coming from another planet. I mean, yeah, most, um, of them, most of the ingredients, <laughs> like the thing about your stuff is, is the ingredients for the most part can be gotten at the farmer's market. So it, it's it's not a bunch of weird right. food. It's mostly normal stuff. It's just there are these few little things that, that you kind of introduced me to. Uh, but yeah, none of them have been hard to find at all. So, so I actually... I, I like could drink olive oil. I love it so much, which I know isn't the greatest thing. But um, so I think of olive oil and grapeseed oil as interchangeable. But the grapeseed oil is certainly, um, you know, more cost effective. And so if you're on a budget, I think it's also a great option. And it's kind of um, taste neutral, whereas olive oil has more taste. And I use, you know, extra virgin olive oil, grapeseed oil, and um, virgin coconut oil. And those are my primaries. I did have a slight love affair this summer with um, cold pressed pistachio oil, which, you know, is an aromatic. So you're using a really small quantity and some of the new recipes in the book have that. And, and it's like, bam, taste. Wow. It's (laughs) pretty good. Great. Uh, how about mirin? Is that how you say it even? Mirin? Mirin. Okay. Yeah. Um, all natural sweet cooking wine made from fermented brown rice. And, um, as opposed to, you know, so fermented um, aids in digestion. Um, you know, the the nice thing about mirin is like when you're cooking with a lot of bitters, if you can add a hint of sweet, it helps balance that, um, the taste. And so I started using mirin when I was cooking, starting to eat a lot of kale, collard greens, um, cabbages, things like that. And, um, you know, a little bit of mirin and a little bit of something salty. And all of a sudden you have a lot of depth and so mirin sweet cooking wine yeah and emphasis on sweet because i've and really important though to to read the ingredients because you can get a mirin that's fermented made with you know a culture or you can get something that's a more conventional brand that's made with um high fructose corn syrup Mm. okay that's not what we want so Right. Okay. I'll have to check mine. Yeah. I don't know what mine is. I did notice it's extremely sweet though. Like I, I was just one time improvising, which I shouldn't really do, but to make some sort of Asian meal. And I was like, Oh, it's, we have some of this from Terry's books. Let's just pour some of that in here. And, uh, it came out really sweet when I, when I didn't really think about it. Cause it's not a, not a dry wine. All right. Uh, no. chickpea, chickpea miso. How about that one? I mean, I know what miso is. Most people know what miso is, but why chickpea? Well, fermented. So that's the thing about miso. If you're going to eat soy at all, if, then it needs to be organic and fermented. And miso is a fermented product, so it's living. So really great at replenishing a good, healthy intestinal flora. Um, what I love about it is like that rich saltiness that's kind of like salted butter. Um, so, you know, I yeah. stir it into some soups, and um, it's great in salad dressings, and um, it's, it's really cleansing. So there are some great health benefits to it as well. Um, how's that? Miso. But and, and why chickpea miso though? Um, I like the chickpea because it doesn't have soy in it. Okay, cool. 
<laughs> All right, so really quick then, I'll digress. But I'm curious about what you said about soy that it had, that it has to be fermented. What's what's your reasoning for that? We grow so much bad soy in this country, and it's a largely genetically modified. So to me, it has to be um, organic, or else right, who sure. knows what you're getting. Um, and soy is super high in acid, and that acid binds and flushes it from our bodies. And so in order to to neutralize that, you need to either ferment it or boil it. And the, the products of fermented um, soy are uh, miso, tempeh, and tamari, or show you the natural soy sauces. Mm-hmm. The boiled are tofu. So to me, if you're going to eat soy at all, those are what the foods that you want to be eating. And anything else is so highly processed that we're not, it's not helping us. Like the marketing statements aren't true. <laughs> right. You know, like soy yeah. milk, all of that. No, not real food. Gotcha. Okay. And then speaking of milks, uh, I saw that or my wife noticed that you used rice milk in one of your recipes, which is just not, I mean, it's nothing, it's not weird, but usually things are almond milk or soy milk. Why rice milk? I started using rice milk because when I started eating like this, it was the only thing available. Oh, okay. And I never liked milk. And so, I mean, like I've been using rice, I don't I don't. For a really long time. I'm not telling you how long. <laughs> and um, and at the time, like, soy milk came in, and soy milk was inconsistent in its product. And um, and that's really just where my I developed a taste. But the other thing is rice is naturally sweet. And so it required to turn it into milk. I find that when you're buying it um, processed, when you're buying it already produced in a Tetra pack on a shelf, it, the rice milk tends to have less added sugar to it, adds to it, um, and, and fewer additives in general. Um, so that's why I stuck with the rice milk. I love the almond milk as well. And I like making my own that's in this new book. And what I do is, um, when I'm all done making the almond milk is I take the meal and dehydrate that and put it in a a container in my freezer and use my almond meal when I'm baking. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're getting every bit of it and it's, it's much more cost effective and, and, Almond meal is phenomenal when you're baking. Great. Awesome. Good tip. As you know. I sure do. We've been doing a lot of that recently, actually. Um, all right. And then two you mentioned today, which I had, didn't have on my list, but but you said them, and I was like, yep, that those are another two. Uh, <laughs> umi plum vinegar. Yep. My addiction. Umi plum vinegar. Sweet, salty, sour, bitter, pungent. Like, that's all the tastes. You add a drop in. It's high high sodium, but also fermented. The umi plum is a fermented Japanese plum and um, naturally fermented. So, you know, healthy, re- helps replace that intestinal flora and, and um, is a digestive aid. And, you know, you can a drop or two and you get that hint of salty, sour. It's delicious. It's, my mom and I, my mom and I say that umi plum vinegar and olive oil is like you know the new age version of butter and salt, which is not so bad either. But I'm just saying it's oh, okay. a, clean, a little cleaner. Right. Sure. Okay. And that's and that is is it Japanese? Japanese. It is. Okay. Yes. Yep. Great. And last one. And is, that's available at you know any natural food store. Yeah, and Whole Foods definitely has it. Um, okay. And how about how about kombu? It's not exactly rare. I mean, you see kombu in in different things now, but yours is the first book where I saw it. So what's, what's that about? So combo is a sea vegetable and it doesn't, it actually isn't, doesn't make or break any of my recipes except for one where I make a kombu stock for sukiyaki and the new, but kombu is the sea vegetable and it comes dried. And so you put it in the water with your, your grains or your legumes and it reconstitutes in the water and all those minerals from the sea, <laughs> diffuse into the water that are then absorbed by the grain and, and complex, excuse me, complex carbohydrates are acid forming. That doesn't mean they're not good for us or we don't want them, but that's just carbohydrates create acidity. So this is one way that we can neutralize that and make them more alkaline forming. And also we're infusing them with all those great minerals and um, with the legumes, it helps to tenderize them and reduce their gaseousness. And you don't even need to eat the kombu. Like we're getting almost all the goodness right there when it absorbs that the water. So, um, you know, if you're making something dark, (laughs) that's my thing. Like if it's white, you don't want to see that piece of kombu floating around, but if it's dark, um, sometimes I'll just soak the kombu and chop it up and then add it to 
the soup or the stock or whatever it is be, and just leave it in there for that the added boost of minerals mm-hmm. um and and they also sell um kelp kelp powder it's the same thing some people put that in their smoothies for the the minerals and and mineral alkalinizer so um it's it's great for increasing the nutritional value of our our foods but it, it doesn't make or break just about any recipes so you know if you see them this is just knowledge that's what eating clean is it's not a diet it's not there's no rigidity there's no deprivation it's about having the knowledge to make good choices and you can't make a good choice if you don't know what you're choosing from so if you know kombu's out there like you know you can include it and when you do you'll be better off as a result and if you don't include it like i don't put it in all the time sometimes i forget so mm-hmm. and that's okay too awesome perfect yeah and that's a great ending because i think like you said eating like your version of eating clean is not about any sort of rigidity and i think a, a great example of that is that at least on the first and last week i don't know about the middle one uh, you don't even, they don't say vegan and they don't say gluten-free or anything like that on them. In fact, I know the first one wasn't entirely gluten-free, I don't think, but, but they're just, you don't even use those words on the, at least on the covers. So I think it's, it's really neat. No, and actually it's, it's intentional, um, because the, uh, my publisher certainly would love for me to plaster across the books, vegan and gluten-free. And sure. I just feel like my goal is not to get people to embrace a label that's outside of them but to listen to the nutritionist that's within and we're all different and we all make choices for different reasons and we have different resources and the books are all vegan and probably the first edition of clean food that you have is not gluten-free, but the second edition is gluten-free. And just, I just want, these are the foods we all need more of, you know, regardless of what else is on your plate, it could be everything or it could be next to it, but everybody's going to, you know, feel better, do better, be healthier, and be more sustainable when they're eating the bounty of fresh produce that grows in their environment when they're eating it, you know, in that season. So that's my goal, give people those tools and help them to feel great and make food that's easy and delicious and nutritious. Perfect. All right. Certainly resonates with me. That's that's kind of I mean, I agree so much that, you know, it's it's about not about trying to get people to to be 100 percent anything. Just just, you know, to to do something. And like you said, it's almost I mean, nobody can argue that that eating more of these, you know, local seasonal whole foods is is a bad thing. So um, anyway, I think your stuff's great. And uh, it's good Thanks. to have you on again. Or good to talk to you again. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah. So uh, best of luck with the book. Eat clean, live well. Anyone listening, check it out. Um, you know, I can personally recommend Terry's stuff. I think it's fantastic. Um, so do yourself a favor and and check it out. And eat clean and live well. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks a lot, Terry. This has been fun. Thanks. Okay. Bye. See ya.